RadioInfluence.com. As America's zone coach, premier thought leader, and the world's number one coach of champions, Jim Fannin has guided the careers of the best pro athletes from 10 sports and business executives from 50 industries. He has coached individuals, families, relationships, students, and entire cities in simplifying and balancing their lives for more than 40 years. From winning Wimbledon, the World Series, and a gold medal to losing 68 pounds, saving lost marriages, or overcoming financial ruin, Jim Fannin has been behind the scenes guiding individuals through the intricate process of peak performance. His success tools are not just for the superstar. They're designed to help you reach your full potential as you tap into life's most successful mindset, the zone. Now, please welcome the coach of champions and America's zone coach, Jim Fannin. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Jim Fannin Show. I'm Jim Fannin. Hey, my name's Seth, Jim Psychic and producer here on America's Most Positive Podcast. Jim, what's on your mind? Seth, you're on my mind. Okay. <laughs> you're on my mind. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, I value you on, on the show and I value you as a friend, but you had a traumatic experience over the holidays. I, yeah, I did. And, <laughs> and, and I want to discuss that, but you, you know... Some things happen to us that we never foresaw. Yeah. It just is a surprise. Sometimes we create our own situation. Uh, But you had a situation happen. Uh, You were on a trip to reconnect with your family. They had gone ahead of you uh, to uh, family and friends while you were doing some work. And you decided to take the leisurely, comfortable safe route of an Amtrak train uh, to see your family in Southern Illinois. Yeah. Does that set this up? That does set this up. And, you know, it's so safe or considered so safe that uh, there aren't even seatbelts. So, you know, you just kind of pop on and it's an Amtrak. uh, Why do you you need a seatbelt? My wife and daughter had gone down uh, earlier. And so, you know, we already had a car down there. I didn't want to have to drive down separately. So you, you hop on, you watch a movie, you get a coffee and you're there. Right. And except this time, uh, we actually struck a piece of farm machinery, uh, and I, I text, on the tracks on the tracks, yeah, uh, and uh, which you know completely prevented the train from being able to move forward. Uh, none of the uh, people on the the train were uh, too seriously injured. Everybody got pretty banged up. I think they filled up three emergency rooms. Uh, but I, I texted you, just said, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm in a train wreck. Coach me." Uh, and uh, you you got some stuff out to me via text uh, before you know as the EMTs were boarding about how to handle this mentally and about how to you know kind of start the healing process and start moving forward. I had the very bizarre experience being strapped to a backboard and then they couldn't get an ambulance out there because it was such a rural area. Uh, I got, uh, placed in the, uh, back of a Dodge Ram pickup truck by uh So in one second you're leisurely uh traveling on Amtrak and the next you're in a flat ba- you're in the back of a truck on a on a board. Yeah, with uh surrounded by EMTs on the way to the hospital and one of the, you know, just impromptu way to get me out of there. Yeah, I, I I mean this I I saw you this morning and I said, you know, the the last week since I've seen you has been the longest year of my life. I feel like. <laughs> And this totally came out of the blue. And then the farmer, uh, unfortunately, yeah, passed yeah. away, was killed on on the tracks. Yeah, and it it, uh, it was an accident that uh, could have certainly gone a lot worse, could have certainly uh, claimed more lives. And uh, 
I, you know, obviously it happened Thanksgiving morning. I didn't wind up spending the holiday with my family at all because I spent it with uh, doctors uh, before being released that night. However, I, I do think that even though the odds what are, what of this, are the blessings from this? Yeah. You know, one of the blessings, honestly, is that I, I would say I had a blueprint and, you know, that whole life flashing before your eyes thing. I didn't leave the emergency room wanting to make any huge changes necessarily. And I know that sounds odd. I also was extremely thankful uh, for the people who got there really fast. This was in the you know the middle of a very rural area, and they called basically all firefighters, all EMTs, all medical professionals. Didn't know how many people would be you know hurt or worse on a, a train of two hundred people, and so I basically got like my own nurse to get me to the emergency room and to you know and to take care of me. And I would say that if I had to make a, a list right now of the top 20 or 30 people in my life to date, even though I only spent a, a few hours having a medical professional there to make sure I was okay is one of the most important people in my life. And you wow. just never know when you're going to get that opportunity to be that for somebody. Well, you're truly blessed and, and thank goodness you're, you're newborn and your wife were not on the train and uh, who knows the things that were potentially possible to happen in a negative way. So I, I am thankful that you're here, uh, probably a little bit sore. Yeah. Uh, we've got a great show today. Um, this is an important show because um, we are approaching the 12th month of the year. We are approaching the finale of the fourth quarter of the year. And we all know that, yes, it's season's greetings. Tis the season to be happy and have great energy, great spirit. It's a, it's a time of giving. It's filled with happiness, joy. Uh, we're creating everlasting memories. Uh, not that Amtrak wants to be on that list. Yeah. But it's also the most stressful time of year. And it is filled unfortunately, with stress, negative stress. It is filled with worry. Uh, it is filled with anxiety. And I want to talk about some of the trigger points uh, that make that up. No one wants negativity. Everybody listening, uh, you're already advocates of positivity or you wouldn't be listening to this show. And we're thankful for that, uh, that we do have the most positive audience in the world. Um, on, on a personal level. But I want everyone to be prepared um, for this most stressful, potentially stressful time. Sometimes things happen to good people and you can make all the preparations and the next thing you know, uh, you're on a, a gurney on, on a flatbed of a truck and you're like, how did I get here? I, unfortunately, those things happen. And you do need to be prepared for the uh, unexpected and uh the thing you need to be prepared with is extreme positivity. That's when extreme positivity really needs to kick in. I remember texting you, uh, telling you, just keep telling yourself, I'm healthy, I'm well, I'm blessed, I'm healthy, I'm well. To activate the healing process, if it was needed, uh, in this unforeseen tragic accident. And, And unfortunately, one person died in it. Um, But some things, they're preventable. This train ride may not have been preventable. But some things in our lives, it is preventable. And I I want everyone to have a clear blueprint 
of closing out an awesome 2018. There are three trigger points that combine to raise stress levels this time of year. Number one, physical demands. You may be working longer hours uh, to close out accounts, to do inventory, uh, to finish and as you're striving to reach or exceed whatever your annual goals are. And, And that's on a personal level, that's on a corporate level. Your kids are on a break from school. That's the good news. Uh, that's also stressful news. <laughs> You're going to find that out real quickly, <laughs> Seth, when uh, your kid learns to walk and talk. Uh, there's other demands. Um, also, there's organizing travel. That can be traumatic. Uh, yes, Amtrak's still safe, so go back on Amtrak. But uh, it's still stressful. Uh, travel with kids, with presents, uh, and with millions of other people. Uh, rushing to holiday parties, commitments that I got to go. It's my boss is throwing a party. There's no option. Honey, we're going. Uh, I don't want to go. Uh, we got to go. And um, and then you're throwing your own holiday gatherings and you want to pull it off uh, 100%. Well, that takes time. That takes planning. And then obviously shopping, buying gifts that are pertinent and uh, hopefully uh, you're still trying to be thoughtful and not just say, well, get them a gift card, get them some cash. And um, so there are physical demands. You also may have less time to work out. You may have less time to uh, um, and less thought about eating well. We're going to have a guest on later in our show, Jeff Cushell, uh, a trainer, a former trainer of the Toronto Blue Jays and, and one of the top in peak performance talking about some of these physical demands and then there's finances spending during the month of december that increases for almost all of us parties get-togethers family gatherings shopping all of those things there are financial demands Um, and then there's relationships we got relatives coming over there's always uncle mike he's a little nuts and uh, the long hours at work take away from quality time with your family, you may feel guilty. Maybe one spouse is off. Maybe one spouse is a school teacher. They got two weeks off. You don't. Maybe you need to work through the holidays. Maybe you need to work on Christmas. Um, Those relationships can take uh, a beating, and there can be some strain when one person seems to be doing all the heavy lifting in terms of getting ready and the family ready for Christmas. Um, You may have lost a loved one during the holidays. Now, that may make this time of year difficult. It's going to conjure up memories, and that's going to cause possible sadness and it's not a good time for some people that have lost someone recently, especially last Christmas or two Christmases, and or just you've lost someone in your life, and this is your first Christmas that you're not with them. That's stress, and we need to be prepared for that. And you may have also experienced a recent breakup, maybe a divorce, and now you're feeling lonely. You know, loneliness you would think would be diminished during the holidays. But in reality, we can be alone in a crowd. Yeah, It can be so busy, and we're downtown shopping, and there's thousands of people all around us, and you're the loneliest person on the planet. 
uh, it, it makes you look at your life and go, what am I doing? So this, this is a stressful time of the year, but I, I want to make one caveat to stress. Stress is good. This kind of stress I'm talking about, well, not so good. Uh, but to be in a zone state, a purposeful calm, present tense, peak performance, physical, mental, spiritual state where you can give and get that boomerang back that we talked about in our last episode. Well, you need stress to ignite the zone. And that stress is good stress. E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S. E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S. That's good stress. E-U is a Greek word for good, like euphoria or eureka. That's good. So it's stress that you place on yourself with small goals, with timelines that are doable and reachable, and you put those on your conditions, on your terms, and in your circumstances, and on on your situation. So we all need stress to get into a peak performance mindset. What we don't need is undue stress or negative stress. So I've got... 10, approximately 10 tips on how to have a stress-free holiday season. I've been thinking about this quite a bit, and uh, I want everybody to uh, really pay attention which one of these tips are going to be pertinent for you in your life, and uh, I, I'm hoping that we can close an amazing 2018 and obviously prepare for the greatest year ever next year, 2019. Yeah, and Jim, that list you just gave before we get into the tips here, <laughs> one of the reasons I think you need the tips, that we all need the tips, is that list is compacted into about three and three-quarter weeks. So you could have all that stuff, this family stress, the long hours, the extra commitments, the shopping, the wrapping, Uncle the cleaning. Mike. <laughs> Uncle Mike. He drinks a lot, by the way. <laughs> we love him. What should we get him? Should we get him a fifth? No, probably not. No. Probably not. Don't, no, don't go there. It's so, you know, we are kind of coming off the good feelings of Thanksgiving here in the United States. We do have, you know, obviously an audience globally, but, you know, we're all feeling pretty good right now. Uh, but don't forget that we've got to be proactive. I only ate going. one plate of food. Oh, look at that. That was, I, I committed, I'm going to have one. It was a large plate. I'm not going to kid you, but. Yeah. You know, I only had one. I said, I can do this. My wife cooks so great. But <laughs> I, 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 I did it. One plate, and uh, uh, I feel much better for it. So l- let's map out the, the next three and a half weeks. What, what do we got here? Well, I think the, my first tip, uh, it, it's in the Blueprint book. Uh, it's in the score system. It's up there at the top. But I think it's even more important uh, for the month of December segregate mentally and literally your life into standalone arenas. So when I'm with family, I'm with family. I'm not looking at my text and dragging my business into a game of Monopoly that I'm playing with my kids over the holidays. I'm not doing that. And when I'm sitting down to dinner, my cell phone's not with me so I can look and see what just happened in the stock market or what happened uh, at work. So segregate your life. You have your own self, physical, your own physical well-being. That's got to be a standalone. 
that's your spirituality. That, that's your nutrition. That's how much sleep you get. Uh, that's a standalone arena. Then you got your personal finances. You know, having a budget. Uh, make sure that that's a separate arena and stick to it. Um, and, and then once you have all these segregated, if a negative happens, you can contain it and it won't spill over into the other parts of your life so that now the whole holiday is wrecked. And this is preventable. The average person has two or 3,000 thoughts a day. They're not equally distributed amongst all those spheres of interest. We call them life arenas. But you have a job, you have a career, you have your business. That's a standalone arena. And when you leave work, leave work and enter your relationship arena. Um, I've seen more people not fully engage with their significant other during the holidays. And you think, wow, what a, what a happy, festive time to be with somebody that you really care about and love, but it's almost like two ships passing in the night. You have less sleep. You're running to parties. Uh, you've got the kids. I've got my job. She's got her job. We've got our jobs, our careers, uh, and we're trying to really have a, a great holiday for the family. Um, it's easy to not look your significant other in the eye. So tip number one, segregate your life and set some goals for the holidays for each arena in your life. Second, you got to make nutrition exercise you got to make it a priority be aware of staying hydrated we're going to talk about that with jeff Crushell. uh maintain a balanced discipline with what you eat be moderate You're spiking the eggnog and other alcohol that's a depressant uh yes you can have a toast yes a glass of wine but be moderate in what you do and commit to a minimum of at least three hours of exercise you got to move during the holidays and and uh, going shopping's not the kind of physical activity I, I think uh, yeah you can put on some uh, uh, miles walking the malls I get that but uh, break a sweat at least three times and this is going to release tension and it's going to release negative built up stress negative stress that's not going to help you be in the zone yeah absolutely i you know I, i'm delayed on this because of the accident but i had just texted with a friend last week and said why don't we just kind of not 100 percent work out together because we don't have the time for that but let's meet up once a week and that'll just kind of push us both towards hitting some goals here and you know just even getting out i think three four weeks ahead of that like gym craze on new year's day really can make a huge you're difference talking you gym feel. yeah not, not, not <laughs> gym not jim all right i'm just checking i'm just checking, I'm just checking. Uh, just, you know just, and i realize that most of us are not going to hit like these just monster workouts and when we've got more on our plate but, you know, Jim, you're 100% right. Doing anything. Sweat. Just do anything. Break a, break a sweat. Yeah. Three uh, times a week, break a sweat. If you can break a sweat every day, well, uh, that that should be on the list, in my opinion. But uh, you got to move. You need to stretch and uh, take care of the bot because it's definitely uh, forgotten during the holidays. Uh, stick to a budget. Make a budget for December and stick to it. Make sure that you and your significant other, make sure you're on the same page. Map out your spending. I do it in writing. I do a little spreadsheet. 
gifts, parties, dinners, don't waver. Uh, that credit card bill in January, you're like, whoa, that's not how you want to spend the opening month of 2019, figuring out how to spread that bill out over the next couple of months. So have a budget, make it realistic, and stick to it. And, and um, remember, the ones you love, they, they're going to appreciate you regardless of the size or the amount of the gift. It, it is the thought that counts. Next, say no. We had one show, no is the new yes. Commit to promises that you know you can keep. That's going to eliminate future guilt, worry. It's okay to say no. I'd love to be able to see you next week, but I'm jammed up. I won't be able to make it. And you don't need to qualify it. You don't need to qualify it. Yeah, I'm meeting with someone. So the answer is no. Keep it simple. Be honest. And uh, that'll keep you from backtracking last minute, canceling a party invite. Just say, I'm sorry, I'm committed. And be done with it. Say no. Next on the list, take a breather. Add small breaks throughout your day. Divide your day into quarters. You know, the first three hours, quarter number one. Uh, the next three hours, quarter number two. Halftime, hydrate, lunch, chill out, third quarter, fourth quarter. Uh, by dividing your day into quarters, uh, adding small breaks, morning, lunch, afternoon, uh, it's definitely going to help you maintain some mental endurance. Take a bath. Take a bath. We're a nation that showers. People get so excited when they say they're looking at a new home. Oh, my gosh, look at this tub. It's so awesome with the cloth feet. Everybody gets so fired up about their ensuite with the bathtub. Yeah, right? How many of us get in it? How many of us use it? I mean, use the, uh, the bathtub to soak, to reboot, to visualize. And that's another thing about taking a breather. Turn your brain off every now and then. I'd set my alarm every two hours, every 90 minutes, reboot, take some deep breaths, and chill out. Take a breather. A, a few moments of quiet, uh, that's going to keep you at your best. You know, and Jim, when we look at the next three and a half weeks, when we've got to have some breaks in there, that may even mean just putting some stuff on your calendar so you don't get back-to-back meetings. You can just put something in there for yourself, and that way somebody else can't schedule you. I, I like that. I like that a lot. And, and if you don't put it in early, it's probably not going to happen. Be proactive on your time. It's okay to acknowledge negative feelings. It's okay. It's normal to feel sadness. It's normal for us to feel grief. There's nothing wrong with that. However, take action to turn these feelings into positive thoughts. I, I know that there's going to be a few of us listening that the holidays brings up some sad memories or uh, of a lost one. We talked about that a few minutes ago. But you have a choice to redirect your thoughts to the blessings and the gifts that you've been given from the people that you've met that aren't here any longer. And it's a time to celebrate them, their life. So um, we do have a choice to redirect feelings. And negative thoughts left unexpressed, unfortunately, they will turn into negative actions. So um, 
direct your thoughts to your positive future. Uh, And that's a challenge, but I know we can meet that. Next on the list, be the palm tree. One of my favorite living things. The holiday hurricane of all kinds of stress and parties and conflicts and overbooking and, and schedules and, oh, the Aronson account. I've worked four months on that. Oh, and I get a call from Mr. Aronson. I'm sorry, we went with someone else. Wow. Talk about a bummer. I need to be the palm tree. That's a hurricane that I wasn't expecting. And just like a palm tree, when a hurricane builds up its energy and starts blowing its winds 120 miles an hour, the first line of defense when it comes to shore is the beach. And what's on the beach? The awesome palm tree. There's no oak trees there, Seth. They, they don't, their branches would be ripped up and the roots uh, uh, pulled from the ground. The palm tree absorbs negativity. It relaxes when there's stress. So have your jaw unhinged. Breathe deeply. Lower your breathing. And be that palm tree. Absorb the negativity. Let it pass through you. And just like the palm tree, when the hurricane blows itself out and it goes on inland, what does the palm tree do? It pops back up. Hey, sunshine, how you doing? Be the palm tree in these holiday possible hurricanes. What's next? Forgiveness. Practice it. It's a time to put differences aside, not harbor ill will. Political differences. Well, that's at the top of the list. It's in the news. But put that aside. Do not harbor ill will on another. Give the gift of forgiveness, and you'll be graced with a boost of positivity for yourself. That forgiveness is the boomerang that's going to come back and bless you. Uh, Forgive. Number nine, be your own best friend. You got to love you. If you can't love you and treat yourself as a champion, who's going to do that? And, And the more I can be my own best friend, I can now be a better best friend to you. I can be a better best friend to my family. And I can give love when I love me. And this is not being selfish. It's the opposite. Being your own best friend is going to help you influence positive mindsets with everybody that you meet. So I think it's a time of definite giving, but you got to give a little bit to you, and you need to think like a champion and be your own best friend. Last, this month coming up, December, it's time to put aside some time to envision your future. 1231. We're going to talk about it in a few episodes after this. It's New Year's Eve. 2018. And I want you to join me. There's going to be a hundred thousand plus, maybe millions of zoniacs doing the same ritual on New Year's Eve, projecting yourself one year in advance from 1231 2018. And you now visualize 1231 2019, 12 months into the future, and you're celebrating the greatest 
year of your life, one of simplicity, balance, and abundance, and you're raising a glass mentally, little Dom Perignon and a Tiffany flute glass, celebrating the greatest year of your life, and then you think, huh, what do I need to do to make that so? You need to see your year unfold on a macro level, and that is the blueprint. And once you decide in each one of your arenas what you can accomplish, want to accomplish, will accomplish, um, you're going to have an amazing year. That's the first step. Create the blueprint in your mind. Break it down into small bites, quarters, months, weeks, tomorrow, the next day. Break it down into meetings. You have an opportunity to change your life. Not that life's negative. Not that life's giving you a, a, a curveball or uh, some negativity. It's just taking yourself to another level, to a purposeful calm when everything seems possible. And, and you're going to have better health, better wellness. You're going to be able to influence people in a positive way. You're going to raise better children. You're going to maximize the adage of one plus one equal three. You and your significant other, well, it should equal more than a part. Or what's the point? Prepare for that. That's my last tip for this holiday. And um, life is good. And the one thing that makes life awesome, Seth, we have free will. I think it's our greatest gift. That's our greatest possession. Uh, We have free will to think any thought. And we know from research that every thought triggers natural body chemistry to give us the feelings that we have, both good and bad. So if things aren't going well, change your behavior. Change your thoughts. Replace a negative with a positive. And commit to being the most positive person possible. And you're doing that by listening to this show. But it's more than 30, 45 minutes or an hour listening to a podcast. This is daily action, and and it's making other people better as well. So there's my... 10 tips to get ready for a stressful time, and um, we have so many blessings. Even though there's a lot going on around us that's negative, um, with a positive mindset, we will prevail. Yeah. Jeff Kershell, our uh, friend's going to come back on the show here. If you haven't kind of met him via the Jim Fannin show before, uh, one of the top uh, trainers, most respected trainers in the world, and, uh, you know, there's some cool stuff that we want to talk about, but ultimately this isn't just about how superstar athletes get to where they are this is about what can you do in your december in the next you know 30 something days uh to be ready for the best 2019 so in a way we're kind of starting our new year's right now with this interview Yeah, and and, you know once we're prepared with uh, some newfound information now we can stay in the present you know the 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 score success system it only takes three percent of your waking hours Uh, to plan, prepare, uh, and then just be in the moment. And right now, let's get in the moment with our good friend, Jeff Crichell. 
Jeff Grishel. Welcome back to the Jim Fannin Show. If you missed him on last time, we're going to give the real high overview here. Uh, strength and conditioning specialist who's worked with uh, the NHL, the MLB, football players, and Olympic athletes. And maybe the, the best summary here is that Jeff has actually worked with athletes in Europe, Africa, Canada, the U.S., and New Zealand. So truly an expert and truly a great friend of the show that we always look forward to uh, having back on to talk about preparation. Jeff, welcome to the Jim Fannin Show. Oh, guys, I've been looking forward to this. Thanks so much for having me on again. Jeff, I'm excited because uh, you and I crossed paths uh, some years ago. Uh, you were strength and conditioning uh, coach for uh, trainer for uh, the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm coaching some Blue Jays, Jose Cruz Jr., Carlos Delgado. Um, and let's boil down what you were doing for a living during that time. I, I know for a fact that owners of Major League Baseball, they, they have their players that they pay big salaries. They also depreciate the players on their balance sheet, which I found unbelievable. I hadn't really thought about it, uh, depreciating uh, an asset. But you were given the responsibility, the accountability, and the authority to prepare the asset, and I'm being pretty cold right now calling a human being an asset, but preparing the asset on their books uh, for arguably uh, the most arduous uh, schedule in professional sports, and that's almost inhumane uh, to play about 200 games when you throw in postseason spring training and 162 uh, game. But boy, a lot of things can go wrong physically. So you're entrusted of preparing them to make sure they're optimized uh, physically, but you're also uh, given the uh, uh, the mandate get them back on the field. You know, the asset is not productive. And, uh, you know, he's on the DL, a uh, disabled list, but we got to get him back on the field. And that's got to be a challenge because I, I know for a fact with some of my clients, uh, the doctors, the trainers of an organization said, you can play. And the athlete says, yeah, but something's wrong. I'm not ready. I don't feel comfortable. Let's talk about that, uh, Jeff. Talk about your time with the Blue Jays and then expound on it. How do you get someone prepared? And now how do we get our listeners ready for um, an awesome December with a lot of cakes and cookies? (laughs) How do we get ready to, to have our best December? Yeah, no, and that's great, Jim. And that's actually very astute sort of description of what goes on behind the scenes. And, you know, it's been interesting. Since I've um, stepped away from the organizational side of sport with the Blue Jays and then being part of the organizations, which is a fantastic place to be. It really, really, truly is a very uh, special place to be. I, I really enjoyed working with the guys. Uh, but I've, I've had a chance now to work with developing athletes and, and with some player agents and consulting with sort of long-term career planning. And it's really interesting because you sort of mentioned there the assets and the cold side of professional sport. But the way we talk to our young developing athletes, the, the young hopefuls who are trying to crack in and carve out a living and an opportunity to play at the highest level, is we approach it like a business gym. So I'm actually really intrigued that you, that you talk about it that way because it's a very rare thing. 
But I think it's, uh, you know, in terms of, of the way the, the business of sport is going, it's a real astute way to look at the development and management of players because ultimately, uh, if you look at it, it's kind of like, and I say this kind of in a fun way, it's kind of like the Wild West. Uh, we're, we're creating guns for hire. We're creating um, um, a, a huge assets that can add value to an organization that's trying to do something, trying to complete a task, or trying to win a championship. So, so that's exactly what it's like, Joe. I'm really interested that you, and, that you and, framed it that and way. And the competition's ferocious. I got to get my starter, my ace, back on the mound. He's going to give me, every time he goes to the mound, we're going to get a W. We're going to get a win. And he's got a tweak in his arm. Jeff, get him back on the field. And, yeah. and, and, and some guys then take off, uh, get their own doctors. How does that play out? Yeah, very, very difficult, and there is a fine balance there. Most organizations have a pretty, a pretty complete team in the medical side now. On the performance side, you're absolutely right. We're in charge of uh, not only keeping the players healthy, but seeing if there's not strategic ways that we can tap into and maybe even increase playing potential over the competitive year. And that's something I prided myself in, looking at every single individual because, boy, there's a cast of characters, as you know, Jim, in, in professional sport, and they're all incredibly different from a physiological standpoint, but they're also very different human beings in terms of their attitudes and approach. So at some point, um, it's a really interesting uh, web of balancing uh, world-class performance, the stress of being in the spotlight, and, and as you mentioned, what I agree with you is the most grueling schedule in all professional sport, which is uh, professional baseball, and then also adding in the human side of it as well. Family, friends, outside pressures that can really, really affect on-field performance. Agents. So you've got this yeah, exactly right. And you have this whole cascade of things that you really need to address. He, he only cares like, about money. He, he right. wants he wants the big contract. And so, Jeff, you got a twenty five man roster. Obviously, one size does not fit all. How do you how do you go about that? Let's say it's uh, first day of spring training, and um, which you know, in about sixty five seventy days, uh, we're going to be first day of spring training and you've had many of those first days but uh, is there a, an assessment on the first day find out the baseline where, where are you individually yeah every team will hold Jim uh, they'll have a physical day or a testing day and it's changed over the years um, there was a time when you know physical testing was a big big part of it all out sprints all out lifting and that's sort of we sort of moved away from that uh, because we really don't know what the guys have been doing in the off season it's much much better now uh, but yeah we evaluate the guys as soon as they come into camp we try to troubleshoot and predict and analyze and map out performance plans for each player and then we just get into the daily groove of things we start very easy and we start to build up their tolerance and it takes spring training it takes spring training to get guys ready for that season it's sort of a calibration period and again as everybody knows that has changed over the years. These guys are no longer using spring training to get in shape for the season. They are coming in ready to roll, ready to win a job, ready to justify their value and hopefully increase their value or at least uh, increase their value perception to organizations so they can extend their contracts and stay in the game as long as possible. So, uh, yeah, I, I love spring training. The hope is there. 
the potential is there. Everybody has the possibility of winning, and it's a really, really special time. All right, I'm the owner. I'm the owner of a team, and I just bought a free agent pitcher, and I bought him because all of my scouts, everybody in, in the organization said, oh, this guy's going to, he'll be able to get you 200 innings. He's going to get you 200 innings. All right, so how much is he going to cost? Oh, 15 mil? Woo, okay, 15 mil. I need 200 innings. I need X amount of starts. Do you get that information? Does, uh, you know, stress runs downhill in most organizations. (laughs) It runs down. You don't run uphill. The owner's not sweating it, you know, unless he's done something really wrong. But stress runs downhill. Did you get that kind of stress of saying, this is a 200-inning guy, map out the strategy, and you sat down with him or his team, his personal team, and say, how are we going to get you 200 innings? Was it that sophisticated? Uh, yeah, I can say it, it was, Jim, to, to a degree, maybe even a little different than that, but, but I guess the theme would be exactly the same. So, um, Because here's the thing, in this, in this free agent world, uh, man, these guys, it's a revolving door. So when we had a new player come in, uh, we would, I guess, first and foremost, really try to understand where he's coming, try to get some context on that player. And, you know, we have all the reports, and we've probably seen them on TV, and we've probably played against them a hundred times, so we probably have a good idea. But when they come into the organization, one of the hardest things that, that athletes nowadays face um, is that transition going from organization to organization because despite the fact that it's the game of baseball or it's professional football or NHL hockey or NBA, you know, the game doesn't change that much on the field. The way organizations operate behind the scenes can vary dramatically. So we, first of all, have to sort of transition the player into whatever philosophy and approach we've created with a huge understanding of where he's coming from. And I don't think even today, Jim, that we do a really good job of that collectively as a whole in professional sport very, very well. But what a stressful time for the athlete. So our number one priority was, yes, we understand the value of this athlete, why he's coming to our team, and the role that he's going to play. But I think my mandate personally was to make sure we understand where that athlete came from, where he's at right now, and how the heck can we make him better moving forward. And it worked every time. I, I, uh, well, okay, really, well, now, now I'm a pitcher. And, yeah. and, you know, I had a little tweak in my, in my uh, elbow. And and I'd go in. Hey, hey, Jeff. I you know I've got this thing crushed. Help me out here. Uh, and I'm X-rayed. I'm tested. Everything looks good. And you go, you're good to go. And I go, I, I'm hurting. So you don't know pain tolerance. You know some guys right. can play with pain. You never know it, and they won't yep. show it to you. Uh, that could yep. be foolish as well. But you don't know the pain tolerance. I remember Frank Thomas was accused, you know, quit being a wimp. You know, you need to play. You're fine. There's nothing wrong with you. And they question his heart. They question his pain tolerance. Well, lo and behold, it comes back. He was injured. You know, he was right. seriously injured. And, and, and the team was wrong. Uh, did you get into those situations where you'd scratch your head and go, man, everything seems good. It looks good. But... But he, he doesn't want to play. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and you know, I think well, there's a couple great examples that come to mind. One from the NHL, Jim. A couple years ago, I, you know, everybody in sport, whether they're hockey fans or not, will remember uh, Sidney Crosby's concussion issues. Oh yeah, and. Yeah, and I remember seeing an interview with, with Sydney, and I talked to some of the guys behind the scenes who actually worked on his his protocols. That was groundbreaking for sport. Sydney Crosby and and uh, how how the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins handled that really recalibrated uh, head injury management right down to grassroots. It was a very very important time uh, in sport, and uh, I remember seeing an interview. Uh, Sydney, he's cleared to play. He's he's asymptomatic, no side effects, no symptoms. He just said to the trainers and the ownership, "I can't explain it. I just don't feel right." Yep. And 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 you know, kudos to the Penguins. They just stepped back and gave him time. Uh, another another story I'd like to mention to you is I had a I had the real pleasure of working with David Wells, Boomer Wells, who's a great pitcher and <laughs> a, a really great person. But he was another guy. Very colorful. He, he was colorful. When you yeah. look up colorful, there's Wells' picture. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Very colorful. But but just a really really interesting character. But again, you know, because of because of um, some of the issues he was facing, uh, people would question his work ethic in terms of preparing for the game. Well, when he was traded from Toronto to um, Chicago White Sox, and I don't know if you remember this, but uh, he got over there and tried his darndest to, to pitch as well as he can because he was a competitor. Oh, yeah. They, they finally broke it down and, and analyzed him and got into it really, really deep. And it turned out that his back was so ruined. The doctors were, weren't, weren't only amazed he was out pit, they were amazed he could walk. They, so he had a surgery. I think they fused a couple of his lumbar spine together. He rehabbed and pitched a little bit further. But there's another really classic example of a guy who, you know, really didn't want to get into it or, 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 or make a big fuss about it. Um, but it was a very, very serious injury, and, and people questioned him for it. I never questioned him. We just figured out what we could do to help him uh, survive, for crying out loud. But, yeah, it happens all the time. When yeah. you build a roster, NBA, NFL, uh, NHL, Major League Baseball, when you build a roster, you're looking to build a group of people that can execute the fundamentals of the game under extreme stress and pressure, moments of truth. That's when you execute. And if you're injured, you're not in peak form, uh, that, I, it, from my bailiwick, from my perspective on a, on a psychological side, uh, you've got a disadvantage if I've got a little nick or even a little pebble in my shoe that can take away from the field. So the the listeners right now on our show, they're going to be under stress. We've talked about it before you got on, Jeff, about the stress of the holidays, the stress of closing uh, the fourth quarter of your business, uh, the stress of uh, buying presents and budgets and finances, and the stress of getting ready and maybe making a major change for 2019. Any tips on a physical level uh, that the listeners could take away uh, that you've given or, or the professional athletes you've worked with that have used to, to handle their stress? Yeah. Jim, Jim, such a great question. And thanks for asking that question because it's so important. 
and uh, with, with, with our radio show, Crush Performance, which you are just uh, uh, a great guest of so many times, um, you know, we do a kind of a cool thing because we've had a chance to work at the highest level of sport, and I truly do believe there's a lot to learn from the organizations the people in the organizations, but most certainly the players that have gone through this process to make themselves incredibly exceptional and, as we mentioned, incredibly valuable at what they do. There's lots to learn there. So here, here's a little hint for everybody who's listening uh, from the world of high performance, and everybody can, can harness this, use it. They can use it right now. And, you know, we see a lot of the top CEOs, and you and I have talked about this before, some of your top business leaders operate the exact same way. We like to break it down. And of course, your, your book, The Blueprint, has been a real, real valuable asset for a lot of our athletes, but you have to have that plan. And that plan has to be realistic in the world you're in. It also has to have exceptional goals and strategic goals. And then you have to reverse engineer that back down, as you and I have talked about many times, to what you need to do right now. And if, if there ever was a key, and Jim, I know you talk about this all the time, it's stay in that moment, but understand truly what you need to do right now. So our athletes, for example, Jim, we really get them focusing on what a 24-hour window. We operate in a 24-hour window because human performance revolves around the sleep-wake cycle. And if we can optimize that sleep-wake cycle and everything that happens within that 24 hours, we have a really, really good chance of tapping into your personal potential. And I'm talking to everybody who's listening, no matter what you do, and no matter what that potential is. Does that make sense to you guys? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the circadian rhythms are, are crucial, and most people do, you know, don't really understand their own uh, bodily rhythms uh, that you know, around sleep. And sleep is probably at the top of the list, and it's the one thing we take for granted. We take yeah. it for granted. Yeah. We don't know how much we need, um, how many people are inconsistent when they go to sleep, when they get up. I mean, some people are like clockwork. I go to bed at 10, I get up at 6. Most people aren't like that. And uh, right. it, it, that is definitely a challenge. So sleep is important. Hydration. Let's talk about hydration. Uh, y yeah. You are an advocate, obviously, of uh Urine clear, never fear. Urine yellow, loser fellow. I've said that. I've said that a million times uh, to my clients. Um, talk about hydration a little bit and hydration with the athletes. But let, let's apply that to somebody in the month of December. Yeah, I love it. And you know, this is one of the easiest things we talk about, especially for our developing athletes who don't have all these people around them, all these experts around them steering in the right direction uh, on a constant basis and reminding them. So for everybody that out there, that's out there, uh, for your children in school, in their sport, in their activities, music, acting, whatever their endeavors are, and for you personally in your business life, recreational life, hydration is one of the easiest things you can do to improve your performance and also your health. Hydration and proper hydration influences everything that you do. And, you know, if we look at some of the academic studies, Jim, we know that students who hydrate better, they learn better, they retain information better, they sleep better, you will metabolize fat better, everything starts coming together. It's one piece of the puzzle, but it's a real easy controllable. So we just talk about how much water do we need to drink and how often do we need to drink. Again, we go back to that daily cycle and we map it out. Let's say the average person needs to drink eight cups of water per day. We like to say 10 to 12. There's no real hard number, Jim. It depends on the person. 
and it doesn't have to be just water, but one of the issues that we're seeing is the consumption of soft drinks and sodas and energy drinks right now, and, and that's turning out to be a devastating blow to human health. So we're trying to steer everybody back to, to well, uh, well, we're, drinking. We're, we're a very positive show, but let's talk about one of the negatives, sugar. Yeah, that's well, a bad uh, word. That's I should. I'm not allowed to say. Am I allowed to say that in front of you, Jeff? Sugar? Do I, am I going to get in we trouble? Could, yeah, we could. We could check it out. Well, here's what I can tell you, and 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 you know, um, I, I think awareness is one of the most valuable things we can do through the podcast, Jim, and through sharing of information. And we're in big trouble. Uh, one for one episode a month on our show on Crush Performance, we dedicate to what I call the war on sugar. And it all started with my mom's Alzheimer's and digging into the research there. And there's without question that high sugar diet increases your risk of Alzheimer's. And that's a study that came out. Oh, um, wow. Uh, yeah. And that's a study that came out from uh, sugar and Alzheimer's disease uh, from the Albert Einstein College of Medicine last year. They really, really did a ton of longitudinal studies uh, looking at the impact of sugar, and their focus was, of course, Alzheimer's and brain disease. They had no idea when they started where this was going to go, but it led straight back to everyday high-sugar diets, and their their data is alarming. They're saying that uh, it can increase your risk. A high-sugar, high-glycemic diet, extended exposure to it, can increase your risk of Alzheimer's by up to 50, 52 percent. Oh, my goodness. On the goodness. other side, Jim, wow. yeah, but listen, here's the power. On the other side of that data, which is very reliable and significant data, um, you can also reduce your risk. Whether you're genetically predisposed or not, you can reduce your risk for those degenerative brain diseases by making healthy day, daily choices, and, and that's just reducing sugar. Look at your labels. Look at your labels and reduce reduce the amount of sugar. W- would you guys be interested in just going back in time and getting a little perspective of where we're coming from in terms of sugar consumption? Yeah, go yeah. for it. Okay, so look, some of the earliest data that we had, and, and Jim, again, uh, Seth, uh, I really did all of this research for my athletes trying to understand. This came out of the research that we did personally to understand the impact of sugar and sugar on human performance. And, of course, what we found was disturbing, and it went well, well beyond sport performance, of course. We got some data that was pretty interesting. The tracing back to the early 1800s was the earliest data we could find. In 1822, the data showed us that the average American consumed the amount of sugar in one of today's sodas every five days. So does that make sense to you guys? Wow. in, in, In 1822... We consume the amount of sugar in one can of soda every five days. Oh, my goodness. Today, if we sugar move free. fast forward. Yeah, right. Well, and again, it was very little. It's honey and molasses. There wasn't a lot of sugar kicking around back then, right? Today, however, we fast forward and look at the consumption today. We consume that much, on average, every seven hours. Oh, my goodness. Every seven hours. And that's an average. Uh, so some people are really tipping the scale uh, in heavy consumption. That's an average, absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yep. In 1822, it averaged, it averaged, Jim, about 6.3 pounds per person per year of added sugar. We have sugars in our diet, natural sugars that are actually very, very good and necessary. necessary. It was the added sugar that's killing us. Today, depending on the study that you look at, we're between, we're between 100 and 107 
pounds per person per year, from 6.3 to 107. Some studies have predicted as high as 150 to 170 extra added pounds of added sugar per year. That's like a person. Yeah, per person per day. We're in the middle of a massive war. And listen, guys, it all comes back to daily choices. Make it simple. Map out your 24 hours and heading into the holidays, Jim, this is one of the biggest things I think people can do to set themselves up for a great new year. One, if all we do is drink more, hydrate more on a daily basis and and water, um, Jim, uh, again, sidebar, guys, sorry we're jumping around a bit, but you guys have got me fired up, damn it. (laughs) Hey, wait a minute, you're not on a sugar high, are you, Jeff? You're not not eating a cookie. (laughs) No, no, I'm not. Hey, but we do have a, we do have a rule in all of our performance programs. You can't be afraid of a cookie. So we don't go to incredible extremes. We just make great choices every single day. And if a cookie is part of your program, enjoy that cookie. So everybody heading into the holidays, um, you know, this is, this is a, this is some strategies that you can use each year. Jim, for example, we do our gift for the athlete. And usually it revolves around cool training equipment or new technologies. But this year, uh, I'm going to give a little, a little preview of my number one pick this year, uh, gift for the athletes. It's that, um, and again, I, I, I hate to say brand names because I know there's a couple out there, but the one that we use is that Soda Stream. You know that carbonation unit that you take your, your water and you put it in there and you, it yeah. fizzes it up? Do you know that? Yeah. That, yeah, we're really recommending that to our, our athletes and their families. Uh, so rather than going out and buying, you know, juices and, and sodas, um, you can you can really reduce the amount of sugar that you take in by, if you like the carbonated drinks, what a great strategy that is. So heading into the season, I guess to answer your question, <laughs> Jim, uh, half an hour later, I apologize, but watch your sugar intake for you and your family. And going into 2019, don't even slow that down. Actually, Get down on it, but beware. It's buyer beware. There's more than more than 50 to 60 different names for sugar, and companies have about 100 different ways they can say sugar-free but still have sugar derivatives packed into their products. So oh my goodness. let's move forward uh, intelligently. You, you know the difference, Jeff, in, in the high-performance athlete and, and the average person who's, who's not uh, performing uh, professionally, uh, physically, uh, is commitment. You know, the pro athlete yeah. treats his body like a temple because that's going to get him a paycheck. That body is going to get him an extra, uh, you know, could it get him an extra $50 million? Who knows, on a long-term contract. And he knows that, and he, he's taking care of that body. That's his asset, his mind, his body, and, and obviously uh, his physical uh, tools uh, of executing basics in his sport. But I found that most people, we don't put our body first on the commitment list. You know, we're putting other people first. We're putting our business first. And then our bods, well, I mean, we'll pay attention to it when uh, when we got aches and pains or when we absolutely have to go see somebody, a doctor. Uh, prevention is an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. That's... I've been around for a hundred years. 
How do I come up with a plan for myself? Is it just 24 hours at a time? You feel that will do it? The night before, visualize. Uh, I've always uh, professed to never have a day you haven't already had. Visualize not just what you're going to do, what you're going to accomplish. Visualize what you're going to eat, basically not eat. Is that a good system for you? Yeah, I think it's a great system. I think it is absolutely imperative, Jim. You know, so for example, we want to talk high-performance sport here. Our golfers, and Jim, you've actually mentioned this directly on our show. When your pro golfers step onto the driving range with their 7-iron, you better believe they have a very, very strategic and detailed uh, uh, agenda of what they're trying to accomplish. They know exactly what they're trying to do, and they read and react. It's the same thing for our hockey players stepping onto the ice, our pitchers going to their bullpens, our, our, our position players going to the batting cages. They have strategic plans. They know what they're going to be working on. So it's a powerful tool knowing what you need to do. And I think if people have a general idea, like the blueprint, if they have a blueprint of what they're trying to accomplish, maybe it's weight loss, maybe it's health, maybe it's a 5K run, maybe it's uh, doing a hike with your family, whatever it might be, set that as sort of the guide, like you know we talk about all the time, and then get it back down to what do I need to do right now? And then, hey, what does that lead to tomorrow? And that's just mapping out the plan. So we have, we have plans. So in, in sport, there's a term called periodization. And that is just basically time stress management. The stress we put on the body strategically over a period of time in conjunction with when we need to peak performance. That's kind of a fancy way just to say we manage performance outcomes uh, through this time frame that we develop. Every living creature on this earth can do the exact same thing. Every human being can do the exact same thing. You just have to know what outcome you want. Because here's the interesting thing about the human body. It's incredible, Jim. It is, it is oh, incredible. It, it, I'm it will, still in awe. I'm still me, in awe. Every time, every time we start laying out our annual plans or we test our athletes or we see our athletes respond to the training, I just... I step back and go, wow. And, you know, as we learn more and more about the biochemistry, the physiology, and more and more now, I think the most interesting things we're doing now are are with the mind and what technology is allowing us to do with the mind. But the more we learn, the more we're able to sort of organize and better prepare our, our schedules and our training for our athletes. So if there was one thing I would ask people maybe just to even start thinking about, it doesn't even need to be that detailed, but just have a plan of what you want to do because here's one thing i want everybody to know uh type 2 diabetes you know is 100 percent avoidable for the most part reversible obesity is 100 percent uh avoidable we can fix it and and it's not that everybody has to be slim gym you know uh, underwear model-esque type physiques we just want people healthy gym healthy everybody has the right to be healthy. But here's an, interesting, here's an interesting thing that we do with all of our athletes. We ask them, uh, just to get an idea of where their minds are at, and, 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 and everybody listening, you should do this with your friends or your kids or your workmates or your employees. Ask them what they feel the most valuable commodities uh, on the planet are. And, and it's amazing to me. We get all these, oh, money. Uh, what, you know, what, is, what are the most urgent things you need to do? Oh, I gotta pay my taxes. If you really think about it, break it down, you know, through conversations with our, with our teams, even our elite athletes, we, we, get them, we get them on track to understand, it goes back to, Jim, what you just said, the most precious commodities that we have are time and our health. Do you guys agree with that? I hope I'm Absolutely. not off base there. Absolutely. Uh, no, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. 
Yeah. And time yeah, marches and we, on. It's not going to wait for the bod. <laughs> it marches merciless. on. Yes. It's merciless, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, right. And so once we get those perspectives in order, oh, man, oh, man, to see some of these people take off and to see an elite athlete go to his first all-star game or sign a contract extension or get his first professional contract just because of context and, I guess, maybe perception of what's really important. Holy cow, Jim. And I know you and I have talked about this before, but I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it right now. Well, maybe, maybe the most important gift that a person could give themselves would be a commitment to their physical well-being. That's my gift to me. I'm going to commit to being as fit as I possibly can with the time constraints that I have. I'm not a pro athlete any longer, but I need to commit to my bod. And there's one thing we all know. If we've ever had an injury that's laid us up or we've ever been sick laying in bed, uh, boy, when you don't have your health, everything else flies out the window. Hey, my friend, thank you so much for joining us. This one was fantastic. Happy holidays. I'm sure you and I will be in touch uh, before the holidays is in full bloom. But uh, uh, let's close out a great 2018. And, Jeff, on behalf of everybody, all of our listeners, we hope you have a zone 2019. Thanks for being on the show, Jeff. You got it, guys. Thanks so much. Loved it. Man, I can't wait to have that guy back on again. Just he puts a smile on my face. Well, he is one of my favorites because he is extremely positive. Uh, that's why we mesh so well. And he's looking at everyday challenges with our kids, with our families. Uh, he's got a background like I do in professional sports. But he's taken that background and has done his own research uh, to come up with uh, some awesome tips and some things that we can do to be the best we can be. Hey, we always take a look each week at who's in the zone. These are the exceptional performers that you and I can learn from and uh, you know, increase our own performance in our you know, business lives, in sports, in our personal lives every single week. We're going to go ahead and start out here uh, with getting back in the zone after a little bit of a slide. So the Golden State Warriors actually went on a, a four-week slide, we'll call it. Uh, not a four-week, sorry, a four-game slide. And then just got back and won. Well, that's two in the a worst row. stretch in uh, Coach Steve Kerr's uh, era. Yeah, uh, he had never lost four games in a row. Um, it, it would be very easy for this to be a locker room meltdown that just kind of kept dragging itself out. You now, know? On, on the flip side, there's a lot of people happy. The Houston fans, they're happy. <laughs> yeah, Sacramento fans, they're happy. The Laker fans, they're happy. Uh, everybody's trying to knock out the top team. But uh, uh, to lose four games in a row, one thing uh, that definitely happens, uh, Curry was injured, Draymond Green injured, also suspended uh, a game. Uh, but, boy, uh, Kevin Durant and uh, Clay Thompson have made up the uh, difference. And uh, also they started playing some great defense and that, that helped him in that string put away the Trailblazers. Uh, Durant, uh, even as recently as a couple of nights ago, 49 points. Uh, 
They're powerful, even without two superstars, two all-stars, and an MVP sitting on the bench. Defensive player of the year, Draymond Green, and they break that uh, losing streak and they win. And so really one of the takeaways here is staying in the present. Uh, They stayed in the present and got back quick because they weren't drug into the past about, oh, you know, we just lost And and they went back to the basics. They started playing better defense. Uh, which helped them uh, a lot, and that's effort. And uh, they didn't think, poor me, uh, I'm the victim of the circumstance we're in by not having Stephen Curry, not having Draymond Green, and uh, they stayed in the moment, weathered the storm, and uh, they're still formidable and they're still favored to win the NBA. All right, we're going to jump over to Kent State here. We've got uh, actually the very first player uh, with who's been diagnosed with autism to get a Division One basketball scholarship. Jim, one of your very favorite phrases in this whole world is "you don't know me." Uh, so, Kalen Bennett was four years old before he took his first steps uh, eight years old before he had a conversation because of his autism diagnosis he really had to work at a lot of just the basics and now he is a six foot ten center uh, that actually chose this school because of their commitment to autism awareness uh, y- you don't know me holy cow well you know he had a quote i want to make an impact not just on the court but with kids that are struggling with the same things i am That's what Bennett said. I want to use this platform to inspire other kids with autism and non-autism. I want to let them know, hey, if I can do this, you can do it too. A lot of times they feel alone and by themselves, and I felt that same way growing up. Kudos to Kalen Bennett. Uh, Very impressive. And also to Kent State for embracing uh, him and and, uh, what he's all about. Uh, pretty amazing. I'm going to go ahead and jump over to the NFL here. Uh, a lot of stats you could pull about this game, but I think the, the one that stands out was that this was a 25-game road losing streak that was broken. Uh, Cleveland Browns over the Cincinnati Bengals, 35-20. Uh, to 20. The Browns coming off a, a nearly two-year in general losing streak before this year and, and a turnaround for them. The difficulty winning on the road this is something jim we do see a lot of teams really get stuck in you know obviously there is the the obvious the hometown crowd and everything that uh kind of gets you more in the zone to be able to play but what is it about actually being out there on the road that can be especially difficult for some teams and kind of what's the the takeaway here as as far as how we can do this well first of all if you have solid routines pre-performance routines Uh, You have routines uh, on how you adjust in the first quarter, second quarter, how you adjust uh, and analyze what's going on at halftime, and routines on how you close out a game, and routines on evaluating objectively. You can pick those routines up, and you can move them from venue to venue. And the best teams in the world, they do that. But I think a lot of people, when they get on the road, you're changing the conditions, you're changing the circumstance, you're definitely altering the situation, and the team that has the most constants in a game of variables prevails. And that one of those constants has to be your routines. So when I te- see teams struggle on the road or athletes that don't travel well, uh, I've got to go back to the routines. And, and you may think 
No, I got routines. I, I put my left shoe on, then my right shoe on, and you know I've got my little things I need to do. But that doesn't mean your mind's not going a million miles an hour. You need mental routines, not just physical and not just technical. Uh, yeah, that's a big rivalry. Cleveland, Cincinnati, in-state rivalry. Now, there's a backstory uh, to this that uh, is pretty interesting. Okay. The backstory is Hugh Jackson was let go of the Cleveland Browns, and he oversees Baker Mayfield, the uh, top draft choice and uh, the quarterback. And where does he go? He goes to the Bengals. So in that game... Hugh Jackson, who was the head coach of the Browns, is now on the sideline with the Bengals. And when it was over, Baker Mayfield threw four touchdowns. Browns win, which is awesome. Uh, The only thing, the only negative is Baker Mayfield threw a little bit of shade at Hugh Jackson and bashed him on his Instagram account, bashed him on the Stephen A. Smith show. Uh, I'm not sure that the best in the world need to do that. Uh, He's definitely... uh, uh, well, you don't need to burn bridges. Uh, take your win, congratulate your team. Uh, but it seemed like that was a revenge game almost. You know what? And it's not just true in professional sports. It's true in whatever else you do, too. The world's always a little smaller than you think it is. So if it, you know, if it feels good for 30 seconds to tell that person off, you just don't know when that relationship's going to come back Well, around. I think you're better off uh, not doing it in the media, not doing it in social media, better off calling a guy up or looking him in the face and telling him what you think. Uh, but uh, in any event, Cleveland Browns break a 25-game losing streak, 35-20 win, at Cincinnati against the Bengals. You know, I think for this next example, we can actually look at uh, both the Rockets and the Wizards as having moments of being in the zone during a pretty epic game. James Harden, 54 points, uh, and then Gordon on the Rockets added another 36, but it wasn't enough to get the job done because they actually fell 135 to 131 So two two guys score 90 points and they lose, uh, but the uh, other side, backcourt, uh, Wall and uh, Beal, Total 68. It's the most combined points of two backcourts, 158 points from the backcourt, the most in NBA history by both teams starting backcourts. What does this say? Well, it says that um, NBA is a guard league. That's what it says. It says that uh, it's not a center-based league. Uh, It's a guard league. It's a three-point league. Uh, And um, it's exciting. They're throwing up a lot of points uh, but anyway, the game's definitely evolved. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, all four of these players, we we definitely say found the zone. And obviously somebody had to win, but it didn't seem like, you know, with the amount of points that were put up, any of those four really hit any kind of major score breaker. They just kept going. Now, there's a, some some other entity that got in the zone. This is amazing. W- what's that? I, I don't know where you're going here. The inside lander. Oh, yes. Inside la- <laughs> the entity. There the we go. The inside lander landed on Mars. Seven minutes of terror. That was going from, uh, I forget how many miles, like 100 and, no, 14,000 miles an hour. Am I right? Yeah, and basically this had to be absolutely perfect. It took seven months to get this unmanned vehicle to Mars, and then they had seven minutes to get this thing perfect. Jim, when you've only got one shot here, 
uh, you know what? What is a, a big theme of this episode is preparation. Well, that's a so, moment of truth, <laughs> yeah. and you better be ready. And and what's amazing is this thing landed going five miles an hour, so it landed so soft, so so easy. And, and the the uh, control room uh, of NASA went. They went berserk. They they mounted some pretty amazing high fives. They had their own uh, handshake. Uh, this is 10 years in the making. Talk about preparation. I mean, yeah, it's seven months to get ready for this lander, but the whole mission to Mars uh, has been over a decade. Uh, so uh, congratulations. We're on Mars. We are. We Wow, are. we're in the zone. We're getting Mars selfies back is uh, what they're officially titling these, uh, these pictures. Yeah, it's pretty, uh, pretty cool. You know what? This week was Giving Tuesday, which follows Cyber Monday, which is just a day that uh, you know a lot of Americans choose to focus on after the shopping, giving to uh, charities. And now there's actually a study out of Europe that says that uh, you know you do that, and it just winds up, you know, Jim, like you say, a boomerang coming back. Uh, the study actually shows that people who are more selfless, more generous, actually wind up making more money anyway. And this is researchers for Stockholm University. And combined with the University of South Carolina, unselfish people tend both to receive higher salaries in comparison to more selfish people. That's, that's awesome. So um, good guys can finish first. It's not good guys finish last. This is a definite shout out to the Jim Fannin Show. Thank you very much for the research. Positivity rules. And um, I love it. Uh, so, um, and uh, speaking of giving and being unselfish, have you sent your letter to Santa this year, Seth? <laughs> have you have you created your letter to Santa Claus? I remember writing a letter to Santa Claus. I wanted a pool table, and I was so excited and so fired up. A little tiny miniature pool table, little tiny cues, little tiny, okay. you know. Uh, uh, pool you know the the balls little tiny little tiny table that's all i wanted i'm like six i wake up christmas day i go down santa ate ate a couple of the cookies of the plate i'd left drank a little bit of the eggnog that i had left for santa and then he leaves me a note here's the note dear jimmy unfortunately don't you hate letters Uh that start off (laughs) unfortunately during the hustle and bustle of Christmas, of trying to get toys to all the kids around the world, your pool table fell off the sleigh in the snow, and I won't be able to get it until it thaws in the spring. Merry Christmas. And I was like bummed. And my mother, who obviously wrote the note with my father, they had no money. They couldn't afford it. My mom also said they couldn't find it. But lo and behold, Seth, three months later, I got a pool table and a note from Santa. We found your pool table. So you need to write a thank you note to Santa because uh, that's going to actually wind up benefiting Make-A-Wish. So Macy's actually has a link on their website. And for every letter written to Santa. And you're never too old to write a letter to Santa. Yeah, they're, they're going to no, donate a dollar uh, to the Make-A-Wish Foundation, which uh, you know grants wishes of kids who are facing illness to kind of help uh, cheer them up, especially during the holidays. Just an amazing organization. Now, they've done this 11 years in a row. 
uh, a dollar for every letter to Santa for the first one million entries submitted on, on on the Macy's website or through the red mailboxes located inside the Macy's stores. Uh, all the money pledged through their Believe campaign will be given to Make-A-Wish. Seth, you ready for this? We probably should have a drum roll. Since 2003, Macy's has donated more than 100 and $12 million to Make-A-Wish, including more than $17 million through their annual Believe campaign. It's helped grant more than 13,000 wishes, impact more than 2.6 million people, kids, families, volunteers, community groups, nurses, doctors, and more. Uh, Macy's, Make-A-Wish. You're in the zone. All right, everybody, get 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 that Santa Claus list. You know, I actually think I have to write an apology letter to Santa this year because uh, we took my daughter for the first time to visit Santa, who's six weeks old, and she gave him the "you look like you're crazy" look, and and then cried. So she, she cried. She <laughs> cried to Santa, dear Santa. Sorry, maybe she'll like you next year. But this way, there's a donation to charity. Exactly. Love Seth. <laughs> Love Seth. All right, let's uh, go ahead and stop by the Zone Cafe because, you know, that uh, Thanksgiving good feeling is turning into the next three and a half weeks like this whole show has been about. So how do we use uh, what the tools that we're going to roll out here throughout the week and not just the day of the show uh, to really have just a fantastic December? Well, you got to break them down by uh, by each individual tool and S-C-O-R and E. Yeah, self-awareness uh, is one of the major tools of the score system that all the athletes and CEOs I've coached use, still use. Um, it's been around since 1974. Uh, these five markers, we all possess it. Uh, for the listeners on the show, you know the drill. Let's get ready for the greatest December ever. Let's close down 2018 with the most positivity that we can muster. And to do that, we need to not only have visualization of seeing that blueprint manifest into reality, but we also need to be aware and the self-awareness of five markers that all humans possess. Each of us have a higher or low level at any given time of our self-discipline, the willingness, the commitment to stay with the task to reach well-defined goals. That has jurisdiction over strategy, tactics, goal-setting, uh, perseverance, patience. Um, how is your self-discipline? And how is it right now as we get ready to embark on this 12th month of the year? How's your self-discipline level? Because we're cooking up a whole bunch of it here at the Zone Cafe. But you also have a level of concentration. And this is a time of year when concentration can be scattered. It's easy to take your eye off the ball. And uh, it's easy to put all your eggs also in one basket, especially if you're trying to meet that uh, deadline in your business so you can get the bonus that you would like. I get that. Concentration is the ability to focus energy, mental energy and physical energy, on the task at hand. And it changes from arena to arena in your life. So every time you mentally or physically go to a different arena, you need to be locked into that arena in the moment and present with everyone in that arena. How's your concentration? 
You need to check that and be aware of that for December. Optimism. This show is all about optimism. It's one of my favorite words, all the way back to my father was actually the president of the local Optimist Club. Shout out to Ashland, Kentucky, my beloved hometown. Uh, They're in the zone. Optimism. That has jurisdiction over your belief, your expectancy, your sense of knowing, your trust. Trust that what you have is enough. Trust that you're on the right path. It has jurisdiction over confidence, self-esteem, what you think other people think about you. Optimism, it's easy for it to take a blow this time of the year. What if you don't get that bonus? And you did everything possible, but it just didn't work out. What happens if the pool table doesn't arrive from Santa? Uh, That can wreak havoc on your optimism. But thanks, Mom, for the note, and thanks three months later of bringing the pool table. But optimism is something that it's a daily thing. It's not just something we talk about. But right now, you may need more confidence, more optimism in managing this month and closing this fourth quarter of the year. And if you do, uh, we're, we're cooking up a slab of optimism. Four, relaxation. We've already talked about this may be the most stressful time of the year. It's a joyous time, but it's got a lot of things tugging at every direction, all wanting and vying for our attention. We got to relax. You got to breathe. You got to slow down everything. In fact, slow down the holidays. One of my recommendations here that I had forgotten is listen to the music in the holidays. Watch a Hallmark Christmas movie with your family and and be in the moment and get in the holiday spirit. It requires everybody to do that. And I think when you do that, you'll put things in perspective and maybe breathe a little easier and relax a little bit. Last, tis the season to be jolly and enjoyment is the last end product of the score system. You got to love this time of year and love the challenges. It's okay. The best in the world, as they're climbing a straight, sheer cliff to reach the pinnacle of their sport or their business, they love the challenge. You got to love it. And adversity, the best in the world, expect it, especially in competitive markets or competitive sports. You got to love that and uh, share that love. So make up your mind and commit. I'm going to laugh more in December. Uh, I'm going to smile more in December. And I'm going to spread that positive cheer. And I'm going to get everybody around me uh, to love this time of year as well. So there you have it. You've got five markers here at the Zone Cafe when they're all balanced at a high level. Man, that purposeful, calm feeling in the zone, it you can put it on like an overcoat. Now, Seth, you've had a little trauma. Yeah. Well, what, are, what are you looking for? What, what, what do you need right now? What you are know, you ordering? I'm ordering optimism uh, because kind of after the fact, I mean, you know, thank God I am here with you. We're, we're doing the show. But, 
you know, when I, when I leave here, there's conversations that, you know, there's kind of a legal element to take care of with uh, what happened. I've got to talk to insurance. I need to see a couple of different doctors. It would be very easy to get pulled away, I believe, from what I need to be doing professionally, from, you know, being able to focus on my wife and daughter and extended family and it friends. Is, it is your daughter's first Christmas. It is. It is. And so there's there's so much right now that I need to really have my mind on. And then there's some other stuff I just got to take care of. And just kind of roll through, you know, not let it affect me. And so for that, I'm just going to order the biggest dose of optimism that I've ever actually ordered here on the Jim Fannin Show. Well, and, and order it and place it judiciously in the arenas that need it. Uh, you can have a blanket overall optimism, and I love that. But be optimistic in every arena, including your wellness, including the tragedy that just happened. Um, and feel the blessing that you're okay and your family is okay. And you know that, Seth. Yeah. We talked about that. You know, if I could just insert something there on what, you know, Jim was coaching me over the phone, right when this happened, we were waiting on first responders. I knew to stay seated and stay calm. And then you, you know, you really drilled that into me uh, that you're going to focus on your recovery, your wellness. Your I, I was right doing now. my best to coach you in real time. <laughs> you reached out and like, whoa, I'm, I, I just had a wreck. Yeah. I'm on that. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Uh, and it you was know, crazy. So I know that that kept my heart rate down. You know, that kept me from doing something dumb, like getting up and moving around and injuring myself further. Uh, but really, Really, you know, I was able to start on optimism right then, and I just want to double up right now as I get through it. Well, you kept saying over and over again, and, and that was my suggestion, I'm, I'm healthy, I'm blessed, I'm well. And you kept flooding your mind with those thoughts, I'm healthy, I'm, I'm well, I'm blessed. And, uh, I, I, you know, the, the subconscious mind, which controls super healing, um, it doesn't know fantasy from reality. So a positive I statement in, in a time of tragedy and a time when you're not sure if you're badly injured or not, uh, that's the time where uh, you kick in super healing by positive self-talk. You know what? And I couldn't remember which player it was that you'd coached that, uh, you know, really started that kind of super healing journey being carted off on a stretcher, just like I was only was off of a major league baseball diamond, uh, you know, to, I yeah, believe that was my, Mike Timlin back with the Boston Red Sox. And, uh, he went down with an injury. And as soon as he hit the ground, I'm healing right now. I'm healing. I'm better. I'm well. And he mentally stopped the swelling which was crazy because the trainers thought, you're okay. But he knew that he needed surgery intuitively. He knew uh, that that happened. Uh, the trainers thought, well, once they found out they did the MRI, they knew he needed surgery, had surgery the next day. Uh, the irony of this, uh, he was back on the mound pitching in 10 days after surgery. Wow. Pretty amazing. So the, the body, I'm in awe of the body. Uh, we talked about that with Jeff. I'm still in awe. It is a super healing, super loving, super caring machine, and we need to take care of it. And we need to feed it. And what do we feed it? Positivity. The more positives you give it, the better it responds. Yeah. So, Jim, last uh, three weeks and some change of the year, what are you ordering? 
I'm ordering discipline, and uh, I, I'm segregating all the arenas of my life. I, I already know what I want to accomplish, uh, but I'm also uh, getting discipline so that I can help my clients be as disciplined as possible. I know it's important to close the year out strong. I know it's important to open the next year strong, and this does require discipline. I, I'm going to be listening to my intuition more than ever, it's got real-time information that I don't possess, and that's information about what my clients need. So I, I've used intuition in my coaching uh, to help me help other people. Uh, so uh, my discipline uh, is going to be right there. It's going to help me and my family, definitely, but it's also going to help my clients, and that's a win-win scenario. And don't forget, this isn't just for right now. Keep coming back to the Zone Cafe order what you need and take those breaks, especially over those next three weeks to make sure you have mental space to be at your best. And if you have any suggestions, any show ideas, anything you would like for uh, myself, Seth, uh, to talk about, uh, send us uh, an email, askjim, A-S-K-J-I-M, at jimfannin, J-I-M-F-A-N-N-I-N, dot com. Askjim at jimfannin.com. Uh, we can answer it on a private uh, note, or we can answer it uh, and share it with other people. Because, you know, as Zoniacs, we, we have a lot in common. We all have a score level. We all have ambition. Uh, we all have some probably lofty goals. And, and I found that if we can do it together, uh, it's definitely more impactful than uh, being alone and doing it by yourself. And, um, I, I appreciate that uh, from all the Zoniacs, the people that really uh, prescribe to the score system and, and attract the zone on, on a proactive basis. Being in the zone, it's the only place to be. Let's get ready for an awesome, awesome December, and let's close 2018 as champions. Be in the zone, everybody. It is the only place to be. Need more help getting to the zone or want to check out some of Jim's books? Follow Jim on Twitter at Jim Fannin or visit jimfannin.com for more incredible tips to help you become your best, most authentic self. This has been the Jim Fannin Show on Radio Influence. This is the Crush Report with Jeff Crushell. Within many sports models, there's a hidden factor that can greatly sway favor, providing opportunity for a select few and disregard for many others. That hidden factor? Your birth date. It's an unintentional discrimination called relative age. Canadian psychologist Roger Barnsley brought relative age to light in the 1980s and pointed out that any player born just after a cutoff date will have a significant advantage over players born later in the year. The older player is often perceived as more talented, gets picked for a rep team, gets more ice time and better coaching, practices and competes with better players and in the end that player does become better due to the opportunity given a phenomenon sociologists call a self-fulfilling prophecy without fail Barnsley found that in any elite hockey program he looked at 40% of the players were born between January and March 30% between April and June 20% between July and September and 10% between October and December and relative age isn't exclusive to sport it's revealed its ugly influence in schools music programs and anywhere age is used as a method for group 
grouping subjects. So, should we begin to deliberately plan the birth dates of our future sporting stars, virtuosos, or valedictorians? Maybe not such a bad idea in a development system with a cutoff age, but we could avoid the relative age phenomenon by grouping subjects based not on age, but on their talent level and ability. Crush Performance, your weekly source for sport performance and athletic development information. If you're a serious athlete, a weekend warrior, parent, or coach, join us each week as we investigate the latest trends and research coming out of the sport performance world. We'll visit with top athletes, coaches, and sports scientists to keep you on the cutting edge and to find out what it truly takes to achieve human maximum performance. You can visit us online at CrushPerformance.com and Crush Performance Radio with me, Jeff Kershell, can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and at Radio Influence.